Are you ready to uncover your retirement solution? Learn more as Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you along the path of retirement and reveal the five steps you need to take to solve your retirement puzzle. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Retirement Revealed with Jeremy Kyle. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Good, Eric. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. I know that today is a subject that is near and dear to your heart because of a recent experience that you went through and something mm-hmm. that I don't think anyone wants to have to do, but, uh, no, of course you not. know, but it, it is part of life, right? Yep. You got it. I uh, just had a, um, a family member who had a relative of theirs pass away and we were helping them through the estate and they had a bunch of different questions and things show up with paperwork and all kinds of stuff like that. So we thought, let's turn this into a, um, a positive experience for the folks that might be facing this down the road of what do you need to know when you're handling an estate? Um, this, this person was the executor. They're the one handling uh, the estate for their, for their relatives. So what if you're in that boat? What if you're somebody that's uh, handling, that, uh, handling the estate uh, for your relative? Mm. All right. Sorry that you yeah. had to go through that, but I know that you were probably an incredibly valuable resource to them. And uh, I'm interested to hear kind of how things turned out with that situation. Yeah, I think it all went, uh, you know, well as best you can. Um, you know, obviously kind of the number one thing is uh, just your own, you know, mental and spiritual um, connection there mm-hmm. with the family member. But uh, then you get to paperwork and matters of money, and that's uh, important as well, too. Uh, but that kind of brings us to our first point uh, in that there's no rush. A lot of people feel like, you know, Aunt Sally passed on or, or whomever, and you're you're helping out in the situation, and you've got deadlines. I got to get this done as soon as possible. Um, there's really no rush, no rush at all. Uh, mm-hmm. You can you, you don't have to really do anything for a, a long time. I'm thinking of accounts that are not retirement accounts. Uh, I don't know that there's even one deadline at all because we've met people uh, who have had accounts that are more than five years uh, old. Uh, we even had one person we were helping out with and, um, I think there was, uh, her and the beneficiary weren't on the best of terms. So mm-hmm. uh, her and the other person inheriting weren't on the best of terms. So I believe just both of them thought, let's just not even deal with it. Right. So, uh, I think it had been even eight or nine years wow. uh, where they, the person had passed and they hadn't dealt with this for eight or nine years. They didn't lose any money. They uh, had all these accounts out there that we had to deal with, and we helped them through it and helped make it happen for them. But there's really no deadline for non-retirement accounts. Now, if you have a retirement account, like an IRA, 401k, Roth IRAs, that type of things, uh, there actually is somewhat of a deadline. The deadline is basically December 31st of the year following the death, right? Really? Uh, and it, you think through it, and it makes, it makes a little sense. You know, the, the tax rules and the government has a lot of deadlines at the end of the year. But what if someone dies on December 31st? They think you're going to you know, take care of this immediately that day? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you die January 1 to December 31. Uh, whoever's helping out with this really has December 31st of the following year. So here we are, uh, summertime. You got 18 months, right? If someone's passing away in the middle of the year, you got to December 31st of the following year before you need to make these decisions uh, with IRAs, 401ks. And even then... Uh, that's just a little bit of a deadline. Really, the true deadline is about five years down the road. Uh, really, uh, if you don't make a decision by five years down the road, they're just kicking the money out. They're paying it out. Taxes come due uh, all at once there. Uh, advise you not to wait the full five years, right? Because they give you plenty of time. You have at least one year 
with IRA money, 401k money to, to figure this stuff out with the retirement accounts. But again, there's really no rush. You don't have to make a decision like tomorrow because uh, you'll see later on, we're talking about all these different things later on. You got to figure out some of these options and give yourself some time to maybe process the death, if, especially if you're really close to somebody. You know, deal with, with those issues first before you go on to the, the money issues. But you got a little bit of time here. There's no rush. Don't worry about it. Quit stressing. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Taking stress off the plate would be fantastic. But I do have one question. You, you mentioned RMDs. Aren't RMDs taken out every year, right? So if somebody, let's say somebody died in June, right? Mm -hmm. um, by And they haven't taken their RMD, by the end of that year, how, how does somebody handle that if um, nobody's worrying about the accounts? Yep, you're, you're right on. So if somebody's over now that's the age of 72 and they did not take out the required minimum distribution, uh, you are supposed to take out that uh, required minimum distribution by the end of that year. Uh, to do that. But again, they're pretty forgiving, right? If you, if the person died, it's December 30th and they haven't taken out the required minimum yet, you know, tomorrow's not the deadline, right? They still get you until uh, December 31st of the following year. Cause they do know, you know, things, things are happening. Got it. Uh, okay. you, you got some time. Uh, they're, they're a little bit forgiving there. So truly, really, truly, um, December 31st of the following year is really the big deadline on making these decisions on, you know, how do you inherit this money? How do you push it out to the different beneficiaries? Uh, things along those lines. All right. So when you're ready to do that, what are the steps? Yeah. So a lot of think, people think step one is just get the cash, right? So this is actually somebody, um, this is what the person had uh, said to me as well. I'll just get all the cash and then I'll uh, put it into my IRA later on. No, uh, you can't take inherited money and put it into your own IRA. And you cannot take inherited money and do the 60-day rollover thing uh, to another inherited IRA. Uh, so the, their thought was, you know, there's a few different things out there. Let's just get all the cash, and then we'll open the inherited IRA. Um, a lot of times getting the cash actually maybe hurts you. Uh, so uh, you cannot do these things called a 60-day rollover. And just real quick, if you have your own money in an IRA and they send you the check, you can cash it and get it to another IRA within 60 days. The government says that's close enough. You're good to go. That just does not exist with inherited IRAs. Mm. So that's a little bit of a, a caution there. Uh, but I think even the bigger caution is that if you actually take the cash, that account is closed. It's done with. You have no rights to that account. And sometimes there's these guarantees, there's these benefits that are there uh, that are really promises. They're embedded in the old account. Uh, you can't get that anymore. We'll hmm. talk about a few of those later on, but especially if you have a life insurance type of account or 401k or annuity, there might be some rules that you get kind of uh, grandfathered in. You get the inside track. You get help because you're still associated with the old account. You take the cash. That's all gone. Hmm. So really step one is not let's get all the cash, let's sort it all together, and then divvy it out from there. I think step one is just just make a list of all the accounts and decide, is this, uh, what type of account is it? IRA, Roth IRA, is it not any of those at all? You know, which company is it invested with? Now you have an idea of who you need to uh, call through. And then how much is it? Uh, so you get a listing of that. Now you can start thinking through and calling the places, getting good information. Uh, if you're working with a financial planner, they've probably been in that position before. And they might even know how this all fits into your goals and your tax information or tax situation. But really, step one is not call every place up, 
get the cash. Step one is just, just make a list of what you have. Then you can go through methodically, make some good choices. That's going to help you out. And I think that might even honor you know your relative even more, uh, the fact that you're going through and making the best choices uh, with it all. Nice, yeah. So the next step is now that you even know where all this, you know, all these accounts are, sometimes it even takes you a little while to figure that out. Keeping an eye on the mail for the next few months mm -hmm. uh, for your relative there is a good place to find the, a few accounts that might just show up you didn't know about. But the next step is request some information from these places. Again, it's not a matter of just instantly take the cash. Um, sometimes all you got to do is just re-register. Just get that account into your name. But before you do that, you need to find out, am I going to pay a new fee to do that? Will I be starting a new lockup period to do that? For example, uh, we have a few folks that had annuities, and you might be familiar with annuities. We talked about that in an earlier episode. But mm -hmm. annuities oftentimes have something called a surrender charge period. You might be locked in for maybe 5 or 10, maybe even 15 years, and you're locked in. Well, when someone passes away, Oftentimes, when you get that cash out as the beneficiary, you don't have that penalty. You don't have that lockup anymore. But sometimes, when you re-register with that annuity, they say, great, you had seven years left. You're still stuck with the seven years left on it. So sometimes, especially for the spouses, because a lot of times the spouses just say, continuing on uh, the way it was before, they had this opportunity maybe to get out of this annuity, but because they just took it over, then they just continued on with the, the old rules. And in that example, the old rules uh, might hurt them. Sometimes the old rules help you. That's why you just got to figure out what do you have, find out the rules, and then you can make some decisions on it. Yeah. Now, speaking of spouses with that, a lot of times with uh, spouses, so your husband passes away, your wife passes away, it's somewhat common to say, well, just put it into your name, right? Why well, have two different IRA accounts? You know, why have a his and her retirement account if you're just down to one person anyways. What's so interesting there is that when you have an inherited IRA, there's no longer a tax penalty for taking money out early. So you might hmm. be familiar that if you're below 59 and a half, yeah. you take money out of your own IRA, that there's a 10% penalty. But if it's an inherited IRA, you could be 25, you could be 55, doesn't matter. There is no tax penalty, no 10% tax penalty for taking money out of the inherited IRA. So we um, met somebody, they were 55 years old, they had lost their spouse at 50, and we were going through trying to make sure that they had enough money, could get access to enough money. The unfortunate thing is when they had lost their spouse at 50, their advisor at the time said, oh, just put in your name, it's easier. Why have two accounts instead of one? They had almost 10 years until they were 59 and a half. Mm -hmm. They had all this money that they could have had access to, zero penalty, and they locked it back up again for 10 years because they just put it into their own name. They would have been better off doing an inherited IRA. They would have had access to it. They would not have had to pay the 10% penalty. So she was someone that was looking to retire early, and we're looking through saying, man, if only we had met earlier, we could have done this inherited IRA. But now if you want to retire early, you got a 10% penalty on all this money because you're below 59 and a half. So mm. things to consider there, uh, if you're below 59 and a half, above 59 and a half, when your spouse dies, uh, you may or may not want to just put it right into your own, your own name. Again, it's just write things down, figure out what the options are, uh, take a little bit more time versus just automatically taking the cash or automatically 
uh, re-registering it right into your your own name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh, IRAs, investment type accounts there, what to do, or kind of the things to look through. Mm-hmm. Now here's a term I'm guessing you might not have heard before, settlement options. Have you heard mm-hmm. of that before, Eric? Well, only, you know, I, I've, I've heard it on some commercials where... Uh, you know, I want my settlement now kind of commercial. Oh, I get to, yep. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, they're very annoying. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think you're talking about something different. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I don't know where this comes from. It's like 100 years, 150 years old. Uh, just maybe some weird law or, or terms that show up with the insurance industry. But um, oddly enough, if you didn't know this, but annuities can only be issued, can only be created by insurance companies. So a lot of times if you're dealing with life insurance or annuities, they have somewhat the same rules. Hmm. And one of these rules uh, just comes into where, I don't know why they've done this, but this is what the way it is. For some way, somehow, you look in this contract, if you find your relative's life insurance contract or annuity contract from 30 years ago, whenever they took it out, somewhere in there is going to be some uh, language about settlement options. When you decide to take this money out, uh, over time or in different ways, there's going to be a guarantee on what the interest rate's going to be. And there might be even a guarantee on how they'll pay it out to you. So interesting. Uh, and if you just call up and say, give me the cash, they'll glad you give you the cash. Because a lot of times these older policies, those interest rates might be 3%. We've seen two, we've seen four. Most of the times we see around 3%. Well, 3% right here in the middle of 2020, uh, that's pretty good interest, especially when you can just take that money out right away. So a lot of times when you're uh, inheriting life insurance, you're inheriting an annuity, don't just necessarily ask, how much is it? Send me the check. Ask, what are my settlement options? There might be one with life insurance uh, called on deposit. You basically just leave it there virtually forever if you wanted to, and you might be getting 3% interest. 3% interest to take it out whenever you want is amazing these days. So you might be giving up that 3% guaranteed rate if you take the cash. So mm. ask about an on-deposit uh, settlement option, especially with life insurance. Then there's the annuities. These have settlement options too. And annuities can get even more complex, especially these different types of annuities with uh, guaranteed income benefits, all these different things that are out there. It's so odd, but some annuities have three different values. Right? You think a dollar is a dollar, but there's oftentimes three different values. Uh, an account value, which is how much money's in there, mm-hmm. a death benefit value, which is how much gets paid out uh, at somebody's somebody's death, and then something called an income-based value, which is just whenever you turn this annuity into an income, it's going to be based on a different number. It's nuts. It's complicated, but a good financial planner is going to help you figure out with this. And I'm thinking of two uh, recent examples that we, we have. Uh, one, we had a client uh, getting up there in age, I think had some health issues, and then they were going through and pulling out some different um, statements to say, hey, can you help us figure this out? Well, we had one from a company that had a death benefit value of 16000 So he's not looking too good health-wise. If he passes away, the beneficiary gets sixteen grand. But then I see this thing says the income value was $43,000. Well, that's interesting. So you, we dig into the contract. We figure out somehow he was paying for this extra value that if he ever turned on the income, and in this case, we decided to do that. We turned on the income, and he, he didn't look like he had much time left, but we said, let's take this as a 10-year payout. And it was set up that it's going to pay out for 10 years 
whether he's alive or his beneficiary is alive, and they actually had a guaranteed 3% interest rate in there, he was going to get 5000 a year for the next 10 years. Mm. That's about fifty grand, And that's because we turned on, made use of this income value. He died about 13 months later. And because of what we had done, because we had taken that income value and turned it into something, uh, between him and his wife, because his wife inherited that money, there's going to be 50000 total coming out of this account. If we had not done that, he would have showed up with the death benefit value and only gotten 16000 Well, wow. It's weird. It's funky. But when the annuity companies give you these different promises and there's three different values that might be on there, uh, you might want to look into those and determine which is the best one for you. Worked out well for him and his family just to know those differences on there. Yeah, and, and I can't imagine trying to take 16000 putting it in any type of investment account and getting 50000 from that in 10 years. That would be... Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Good yeah, luck. Exactly. Good and, luck. You know, here you go. This is going to help his widow out. You know, it's going to help yeah. out his widow by quite a bit. And even if she passes on before that 10 years is up, it keeps going uh, in that case for, you know, to their beneficiaries. So hmm. just knowing these different values and asking some questions ahead of time really helped them. Now, that was before he passed away. You know, after someone passes away, you might think that you can't do anything uh, different, like, you know, things are set in stone. Similar situation. Um, we had somebody else who passed away. Mom had died. She had all these different annuities. I started seeing these terms, the death benefit value, the cash payout, the income base value, all these different things. So he said, let's just call in. Let's ask what the different rules are. So we called them. We said, hey, what, what are these different rules? They mm -hmm. said, well, you could take the cash. I said, well, what's another? Set up an option. Oh, you could take it out uh, over the next um, you know, one to five years, and you'll get 3%. Okay. Uh, or you could just continue on what your mom was doing. Uh, she has seven years left and you'll get whatever she was getting. So we asked, well, how much was mom getting? Okay, well, she's getting uh, this, this dot amount every year. So thankfully, we're pretty familiar with uh, financial calculators mm -hmm. and this term called internal rate of return. It's basically when someone tells you, here's cash coming out to you every year, we can figure out, well, what's that interest rate? Because they're not gonna tell you what the interest rate is. Mm -hmm. uh, when they just said, just get what mom's getting, you know, 5,000 a year, whatever it was. Well, we calculated out, she could take cash today or keep getting what mom is getting for seven years, if she kept going for seven more years, her rate of return was 7%. Well, which cow. one do you think we chose, right? <laughs> you take yeah. cash at nothing, you know, one year at 3% or seven years at 7%. I think we took that one. And it's had uh, nothing to do with any, you know, magical tricks. It's just, look, there's these guarantees that are inside of these accounts. And unless you know what those different guarantees are, um, how do you know what the best choice is? So if you got an advisor that just says, oh, take the cash or, uh, you know, it's getting in your name, then we'll deal with it. This is a bad situation. This one I'm thinking of. We had somebody came to us because their uh, current advisor, uh, the, the mom had died. So the, the client here, the mom had died. Mm -hmm. She went to her current advisor and said, hey, can you help me out? I've got like 12 different places. I don't know what to do, these different things. She said, well, tell you what, take all the cash, uh, give me a call and I'll invest it for you. So here... The lady's mom had died. Mm. She's coming to her longtime advisor asking for guidance. And the lady said, just you figure it out. Give me the cash and then I'll invest it for you. It's just like you do all the work. I'll make the commission. It's exactly. kind of the way the old advisor. So thankfully, this, this lady worked with my aunt. She said, you got to talk to my nephew. So we were able to uh, help her out there and just walk her through. We called in, figured out all these different places, found out where the guarantees were, found out what the tax situation was. You know, if your advisor is not finding out what these settlement options are, if they're not telling you what these different tax 
calculations are, uh, I think it's time for a new advisor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for those that are listening, he's speaking the truth on this. This is this drives me bananas because advisors do get paid for investing your money. If one way or another, they're going to get paid. That's what they get paid to do. And it it really bothers me that there are advisors out there that would just take the easiest road, number one, so they don't have to do the work. Number two, they know that when you bring them the cash so they can invest it for you, they're going to make money off of that. And that's not in your best interest. And that's not being a true fiduciary. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about fiduciary before, Jeremy, on, on previous podcasts, and people can go back and listen to those to get a better explanation. But it's very frustrating to me. And I, I almost think of it as almost like an elder abuse case in, in a lot of cases, because people just don't know. And when they're asking for help, and you're not giving it to them as an advisor, yeah. that's that's almost criminal, in my opinion. So yeah. I appreciate the fact that you're I mean, you're laying it all out there on a podcast. This is not Mm -hmm. a big secret of the industry. You're straight out telling people the truth and letting them know this is a, there are better ways. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are things that uh, if you don't dig into it, you won't know and you'll be missing out. So we don't want anyone missing out. We want their uh, education to be there to to help them out. And if they need some guidance, well, we're here for you uh, for sure. Last couple of steps uh, for you on what to do when you inherit uh, some money, uh, whether you're the executor, or maybe you're somebody that's in, inheriting uh, the money. Uh, but step four is uh, make some decisions with your whole picture in mind. It's not just about I inherited money from mom or you know your, your aunt or uncle here, uh, but you need to keep, incorporate your whole picture in mind. What's going on with your uh, income and taxes? What's going on with your other investments that are out there? You can project out what your taxes are going to look like the next couple of years, and you can find out well, this inheritance thing, I'll have it, uh, the taxes hit this year. This one, I'll spread it out over five years. This one, I can delay for 10 years. You can plan out some of these things. It's a big deal mm-hmm. tax-wise. And even with investments, too. Uh, maybe you're someone that thinks, I need to have 100 grand in the bank because that's how much uh, for whatever it is you're saving for, just for emergency money. And if you're earning 0.1%, which we see all the time, what is that? A hundred bucks a year? I mean, that's that's nothing. You're losing money. But yeah, what if you point. inherit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What if you inherit a hundred thousand and you look into it and you find out that you have a guaranteed three percent? A lot of people keep things separate. They say, you know, I'm gonna uh, take the check from that inheritance and I'll go invest. I'll keep that kind of separate. I'll go invest. Well, wait a second. Uh, why would you give up the three percent and keep the point one? Sometimes you just need to reframe your mind a little bit mm-hmm. and say this inheritance money, even though I had planned on investing it well, maybe I'll just keep that inheritance money at the 3% and I'll go invest the other money, right? There's a lot of, um, you know, and I get it. There's a lot of emotion kind of tied behind inheritance and you mm-hmm. feel like you have to keep it separate, but you'll most likely come out ahead tax-wise, investment-wise, if you coordinate together and say, well, because I get this over here, I'm going to do this differently uh, over there. So that's that's another thing to, to keep in mind. Make these decisions with the whole picture in mind. Well, yeah, let, let me ask you a question on yeah. that right right there, that example that you just gave. I know that people, they want to keep money in their savings account, like you said, emergency fund or whatever, because of how liquid it is. If you have a yeah. situation where you're getting this guaranteed 3% and leaving it in that account, and let's say they say, okay, well, then I'll take this money from my savings account and invest that. How liquid is mm-hmm. the money that's in the account that's guaranteed at 3%? I'm, I'm sure there's lots of different rules, but how easily mm-hmm. accessible is that if there something comes up? Yeah, and every single uh, company is different uh, out there. That's why you got to figure out the, the info. But what we're referring to here, and it's not like 3% you know, this government guarantee or anything. It's mm-hmm. just uh, that's the number we usually see a lot of times. 
Uh, that's one of the settlement options called on-demand, and each company might call it a little bit differently. But if you ask them, what's your on-demand deposit? What's what's that paying right now uh, for this money? You know, what's what's that as part of the settlement option? They'll know what you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, on there. But typically, everyone that I've seen is that if you call up and you need 500 bucks out, a thousand bucks out, ten thousand bucks out, they just send it out to your your checking account. So maybe it takes two days instead of you get to go to the bank and you write a check out today. Um, but it's that's pretty liquid. Uh, yeah, that's pretty liquid. Plus, it'll yeah. stop you from you know buying that impulse <laughs> right. item, right? <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yep. <laughs> oh, look, I've got a hundred thousand in my savings account, and doggone it, that new mm-hmm. surround sound system with the you know Sugupur socket, whatever you know the the terminology yeah. they're using these days. <laughs> that would be great to watch my movies on. Okay, that's only ten thousand exactly. dollars. Oh my gosh, that's a deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Give you a couple yep. days yeah. pause to think about it. Yeah. So that's pretty liquid. Yeah, it's not as liquid as your checking account. Well. Guess what? You're paying, or you're getting more interest on it. Uh, yeah. Well worth it. It's not like you got to pay the penalty to get it out. It's not like you got to, um, you know, jump through hoops. Just give them a call. You can take some money out. We'll finish up with the last one, then I'll kind of uh, wrap it up here. So the last thing to think about is just uh, set things up for your kids so that it'll be easier for them. Mm. You know, we run into that all the time where people uh, got to deal with the tracking down the beneficiary paperwork for you know one of the relatives, the will, all kinds of stuff like that. Take this time when you're done and you've gone through it and maybe think of the hassles you had to go through when you inherited money or mm-hmm. you're the executor of it and just set things up so it's a little bit uh, better for your kids. Uh, it's fresh, fresh in your mind so you know exactly what they might be facing, you know, hopefully years down the road. But just, yeah, do, do them a favor. Tell me you did them a favor. Maybe make them buy a dinner or something. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> make things better for your kids by setting it up a little bit easier with the beneficiaries, trusts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, that's fantastic. Uh, I know that that was the, the last step that you were going to cover, and you have really delivered a ton of meat for people to chew on. And those that are listening, please chew on the things that he said and then make a phone call. Um, if you're in this situation or you may be facing this situation soon, the, the hardest part about this entire subject is the fact that we know death occurs, and sometimes it's sudden, but sometimes we know that you know mom or dad is, is getting up there and, and maybe there's an illness, and, and this is something you're going to have to deal with. Jeremy is fantastic at helping you walk through this together uh, because the, the worst thing that can happen is somebody not want to talk about this, not want to address this issue and stick their head in the sand. Uh, when, you're, when you're doing the ostrich thing, it just doesn't work out well. So please take the time to, to make that phone call if you're facing this situation. You don't have to do this alone. Jeremy and his team are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Jeremy, do you have closing thoughts for today? Yeah, we, we are wrapping up here with five pieces of wisdom. These five things keep in mind when you are inheriting money or maybe you're the person that is the executor and has to kind of distribute it and take care of it mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. Is a step, step one, just take some time because there really is no rush. I mean, we kind of, the, what was the earliest deadline, really, if there's uh, such a thing, is December 31st of next year. Mm-hmm. You got some time. So take some time, deal with your thoughts. Uh, there's no rush on the money type of stuff. Now, the second thing, didn't actually talk about it terribly too much, but just keep this part in mind. Number two is not every beneficiary has to do the same thing. A lot of times we uh, talk with folks and they say, well, I'm, I'm figuring this out for my uh, my brother and my sister and me, and uh, we'll talk about it. We'll figure out what to do. We'll let you know. Send us all the paperwork. I said, hold on. There's three of you there. Every one of you could do something different. Mm. When you inherit money, you can each make different choices. So it's not set in stone. You don't have to decide with your brothers and sisters 
uh, okay, well, this is the best for all of us. Let's do this one thing. No, each one of you can call into the company separately, uh, figure out how much money you're going to inherit and make a different decision. Not every Mm -hmm. beneficiary has to do the same thing. Number three is evaluate all your available options. There might be options that are guaranteed in that contract that you might want to make use of. There might be some tax situations you want to uh, evaluate. Uh, So just evaluate all those different available options. You don't know until you ask and going through and asking all those uh, questions about what are my settlement options, what are the tax consequences, that'll help you make the best choice overall. Mm -hmm. Especially if you do number four, which is coordinate your inheritance with your overall plan. A lot of people do just view it separately. You know, that's mom's money that left to me. That's my uncle's money that was left to me. Coordinate that with your overall plan because there's tax consequences. There's investment uh, consequences that are there. When you coordinate it, you're going to do better. uh, And you might even, I'm just going to even say you're going to honor their uh, inheritance even more because you took what they gave you and you improved upon it uh, even more because you coordinated that with, with your overall plan. Yeah. And step five, set things up so your kids can have it easier. Uh, a lot of times it's just going to be uh, an emotional hassle to go through the money part of things for, you know, for mom, for your aunt, that kind of stuff. When you're done with that, uh, take the time, set things up so that's going to be easier for the next person that's going to get to inherit some money from you. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for your time today and, and the, the wisdom that you're sharing with the audience. I look forward to the next podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. We'll be talking soon. All right. Sounds good. And thank you all for tuning in and listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast with Jeremy Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jeremy comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And think about somebody that may need to hear this information. Maybe you have a friend that you know their parents are getting close or one of their parents is sick and and, uh, they need to hear something like this because it's going to be a very emotional and turbulent time. And uh, it's great to have somebody on your side. So please share it with them if you know someone. Again, thank you so much for listening. For everyone at Kyle Financial Partners, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. Content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.